Hello, Rob. Hi, mate. Are you okay? I am, mate. You? Yeah, great. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly. That's good, then. Um, so, would you like to introduce yourself to the podcast so everybody knows who you are? Yeah. So, are we recording as we speak, Adam? We are indeed. This this app's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's what I've always used since COVID-19 when I started my podcast. This is the the one I've been using. Just going to let my cat out. Go on, I think it. keep the cat in. Let's have the cat <laughs> like a third a third guest. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> How, what what what's the cat's name? Uh, Alfie. Yeah, Alfie. we've had him a long time now. He's an old cat. So oh, good on him. Right. Um. So, would you like to introduce yourself and who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Rob Rob Jones. Um. I am a former secondary school English teacher who abandoned it all. Um, a couple of years ago to start writing and releasing my own music. Um, so I'm, I'm a singer-songwriter based up in Manchester. Um, and I write songs about life, love, heartbreak, all of the usual stuff that people can find if they want to all over the internet. Cool. Um, and uh, you told me that you're from Manchester. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Stockport, technically, but close to Manchester. Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Leicester. Leicester. Oh, yeah. I can kind of hear that in the accent. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard, is it? No. Uh, so, let me try. So, I was reading your, your bio, but um, I was finding it difficult to read certain things. So, you, you fa- apparently you found your band, did you? Did it just come to you or you, you searched and you found a band to play with? Yeah. Well, sort of. So, as well as being a teacher... Since the age of about 16, I've always um, played music as a kind of part-time thing. So I formed my first band back in school when we were about 15, 16 years old in the GCSE music rooms. Uh, And we wrote and played our own stuff as well. Um, We did okay with it, actually. We got to the the final of a couple of radio competitions. We nearly supported Bon Jovi once, uh, but but we lost, unfortunately. came second. Um, And... Since then, as we got a bit older, we started doing more and more cover work. So we'd go out to corporate events and weddings, birthday parties, bars, clubs. And in doing that, in being part of that world of kind of professional musicians, you you tend to build a pretty huge social circle of really talented people um, because musicians are always looking for a nice bit of easy money and there's, there's not much easier than going and playing at somebody's wedding. So... So I kind of found the band that I now currently play with through that. A lot of us have been doing covers together for a long time. Um, and then we've been joined by some very, very talented friends on on the piano and on the bass guitar. And, and that's how The Restless Dream, which is the name of the band that I, I do my original stuff with, that's how we kind of come together. Ah, and have you, uh, have you done any massive tours on them? Have you gone to like Ireland and like done Britain and Ireland, that kind of thing? Or have you just based yourself doing weddings and functions in the UK? Well, up to now, mate, I've just been doing weddings and functions. Um, I've not really been touring or gigging the original stuff yet because it's only very, very recently been released. So the plan would be to use it to try and generate a bit of an audience. And once there's that audience for it, then you'd go and look to kind of put shows on and go on tour. Otherwise, to be honest with you, Adam, I could put a gig on, but nobody would come. <laughs> so you've got to you've got to build it slowly over time, you see. But that is definitely the plan. Because, I mean, I recently had um, Nick from BGT on my podcast. Uh, 
I don't know if you watched Britain's Got Talent this year, but he was a surprise finalist on Britain's Got Talent. He did the two songs about his daughters. Right, I've and not seen done, any of it. He's done really well. He, he went to Nashville and recorded his, his single over Nashville, and he's done really well. But some, I don't know if it, if you're like this, but he said, uh, even though he was a surprise, now, his wife surprised him going on there. He said, um, it's not all bells and whistles once you come off, off Britain's Got Talent. It's not now you're off the show, you've got to go one better than what you did on the show. He said, it works in the way that you, you, uh, some people will want to help you and some people won't want to help you. And it's having to put the right stuff out there and work hard at it because you don't just get signed and get record deals and, and be headlining places because he said it just doesn't work like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously his experience will be a little different from mine, but um, it sounds like he's he's definitely talking my language there. It seems that there's an awful lot of work involved. But, you know, you'd expect there to be work involved. If, if something was just you clicked your fingers and you achieved it, I'm, I'm not sure it'd be that that worthwhile achieving. Um, important good things should take work, I think. And he's right. Today, of course, it's all about self-managing and kind of self-generating interest which i think is a real blessing and a curse so if you thought about the music industry say 40 years ago um you'd have to kind of pray that some a and r man might wander into a, a bar where you happened to be playing and suddenly see this incredible potential in you and want to sign you up and make you the next the next label superstar of course that doesn't happen anymore um which you could argue is kind of a shame um, because record labels aren't really willing to kind of take chances on, on undiscovered talent anymore. Uh, but equally, you could argue, well, it does give everybody the chance to put themselves out there and work hard and build their own audience and manage their own careers a bit. So the internet, I suppose, has made the music business a trickier place to break into because there are now just so many people trying to do it. But equally... It has given us all this amazing ability to record and release our own music, um, which simply wouldn't have been possible even 10 years ago, I suppose. The fact that I can now make a record, put it on Spotify, and it is there in a place that is accessible for millions and millions of people um, is amazing, really. But obviously, making sure the music gets into their ears somehow is, is the tricky bit, and that's what requires a lot of work consistently over a long period of time. So by the sounds of it, your man, Nick, is absolutely right. Oh, yeah, it was, it was lovely for him to come on, really, because obviously, um, I think I told you in messages, my podcast has been, I started in COVID-19, and I've had some amazing people on. I mean, <clears throat> Matt Piper, who is an ex-Leicester City player, he had an addiction problem oh, when really? he left football, and he... He turned his life around. He commentates with uh, BBC Sport. Um, he's written his own book, which he signed for me over COVID and sent it through the post for nothing Beautiful. because I'd obviously done the podcast. I didn't ask him to, but he said, uh, he said, nobody for you, mate. People who do a good podcast, I'll send it over. So he sent me that. Um, and I've had people, I've had authors on, famous authors. I've had famous Nat Geo Wild photographers. I've had... 
it's been amazing the journey this podcast has been really for someone that's mildly autistic i never thought it's something i would be able to do but i but i have done it so yeah mate you should be super proud of that and i guess it goes it, re- it reaffirms what we were just saying doesn't it you know the internet does provide us with these amazing opportunities to do things. But of course you do have to kind of push and take the opportunity. It's not just going to do itself, right? Like you and your podcast, you've got to get out there and do it. You've got to hustle for the guests. You've got to publicize it. You've got to make sure the episodes sound professional. You've got to upload it properly. It doesn't just happen by accident. So what else can you tell me? What else can you tell me about your music then? Uh, Other than you've got obviously your band, who you told me about and that you do weddings and functions is there anything else you do with your music that you could tell me that you've done well i suppose the key thing to remember is that the wedding and function band world is a very different place for me now than the original music that i put out as rob jones and the restless dream so really what's happening in my life is i'm trying to transition from from the one thing to another um, I've managed luckily to get to the point where I can kind of pay my bills playing music either way. Um, but I'd prefer to be paying them off the back of songs that I've written rather than playing other people's songs at weddings, which don't get me wrong, can be a really fun job. You know, we've had some great times doing it, some really good laughs. We've made, we make a really good living from it. Um, it takes us up and down the country. Uh, you meet interesting people. Weddings are always good fun, even though they can be a little crazy. Um, but yeah, but that is my mission now. So to kind of move out of that world as far as I can and and become a a credible singer-songwriter, I suppose. Have you got any particular um, sort of goals or dreams with this journey you're going on with your music? Have you got something you've you you've started off and you've said, right, that's that's the that's what I want to do in, in music, and that's what my goal is to set off to do. Have you have you got anything like that that you particularly said, that's what I want to do? That's a really good question. Um, and it's something that I've thought about a lot. A lot of people talk about goals being very, very important. Like you can't really begin a journey if you don't have some idea of where it's going to go. And I can see what they mean. I think there's definitely probably good sense in having a target and having something to to shoot for I suppose what I've been struggling with a little is kind of defining that for myself um and I guess on some days it 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 feels it feels different to others what I have been trying to do though is is kind of make sort of little lists of things I'd like to achieve by the end of the year and then potentially by the end of next year, and then five years, and then 10 years, and kind of structure it a little bit like that. Because I think sometimes launching into a project like this can seem a little overwhelming. And so if if you can break it down into kind of manageable chunks, at least you know that you are going somewhere, right? Um, Every step is taking you somewhere, but you need to figure out what those steps are. So, So for instance, my EP came out in October and I quit teaching last September. So I've sort of been at it about a year now. Um, And my goals for this first 12 months were to um, write, record and release my EP, um, make sure I had a band to gig it with, do a couple of public performances, 
um, start getting streams on Spotify. Um, and then next year, those goals will, will be changed. So it, I might aim for something like um, 100,000 streams across the four tracks. I've got another EP in production at the moment, which hopefully will be released by the end of the year. Um, I'd much, I'd very much like to do more live shows uh, with the band of my own stuff. That's another thing that I'd really like to aim for. But in terms of an end goal to the whole thing, um, I don't really have any achievements or numbers in mind. But what I suppose I would really love to do is is write an album that means as much to someone as some of my favourite albums have meant to me. Um, I think if that was the case, if I was writing stuff that I knew really meant something to people in the same way that, that music means something to me, I think that's that's the best I could I could wish for. Yeah, um, so have you got like a sort of a, a dream like, you know, like uh, Nick did or, or like Oli Merz? Have you got a dream of doing like The Voice or Britain's Got Talent or or the Pride of Britain Awards? Is there something like that that you'd like to do? There isn't, to be honest, mate. I'm not a huge fan of um, that that TV format. I'm not really into the X Factor or The Voice or Britain's Got Talent. And, and Britain's Got Talent, to be fair, I think is, is a more interesting programme because it's open to kind of anybody with a talent, right? So you can see all sorts of weird and wonderful things on there. My issue with the other ones that are specifically about music is I don't really feel as though art is something that should be chopped up into two or three minute chunks, put on a stage, judged within 30 seconds, and then put in some sort of category, which is either good or bad. Um, I don't think art works like that. And I think one of the things that programmes like Britain's Got Talent and The Voice and, and The X Factor have done, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure they've done some great things, like, like your man Nick, they've given opportunities and exposure to people who are talented, and that's great. But I think on balance overall, they've kind of changed the way we view music and they've they've made it feel like it's some sort of competition, whereas I don't really think it is or it should be. You know, a lot of my favourite artists, for example, people like Bob Dylan, um, Tom Waits, Neil Young, if they went on The Voice, they would be out of there within five seconds. But... For me, these are some of the people that have contributed the most to popular music in the 20th century, right? They've written some of the greatest songs ever. So I really just don't... I'm not into the idea of the voice and, and, and uh, the X Factor, to be honest with you, for, for those sorts of reasons. Even though I can appreciate that for a lot of people, they do some great things. I don't think people like Oli Merzo can compare to people like Bob Dylan. I have, to, I have seen him live and he's a, a great artist, but I do find it's all... <clears throat> With the kind of music I like, I do always find it's the artists that you people don't necessarily have the massive, massive following in loving them is the ones that I tend to like. Like I like Tom O'Dell. Have you heard of him? I've heard of him, mate. Yeah, but I'm not super familiar with his. Um, who else do I like? Tom O'Dell. Uh, I, I like, obviously, everybody likes the Arctic Monkeys. I'm a big fan of Arctic Monkeys. You checked out their new record. Yes, it's 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 a lot different from what I thought it would be. Yeah, what are your thoughts on it? I think they've tried, I think they've mellowed down a bit. I think they've gone into sort of like uh, 
kind of keen type thing. They're not like they're not like the normal Arctic monkeys that I've heard before. They're normally upbeat, aren't they? Really quick. Absolutely, it's but a very not different quick. style of music. Yeah. And as a fan of theirs, has that kind of turned you off the band, or are you? No. What do you think? Because some fans can take that pretty personally, right? When their favorite band or one of their favorite bands suddenly sounds completely different, some fans can feel kind of let down by that. But, but no, not, not necessarily. I, 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 no matter what the artist is, whether they're unsigned or the signed, I will always give them the support they need. Like Tate Keen, uh, the lead singer. He had a drink problem. He went away from the band for a while. Then he started doing his own solo career uh, and latched from the band and then went back to the band and did an album with them and then went back again on tour on his own. And I never really gave up on Keen or or the singer of Keen. So I think it works in the way that a lot of the... I don't know if you think this with being an artist. A lot of... You tend to... If there's an un- well, what I've noticed through listening to music over the years, people tend to there'd be like an unsigned artist that's like worked really, really hard all through his career to get where he is, and probably finally gets signed by Sony Records after 25 years of his life of playing music, and then all the people that were like in the background that supported him that meant a lot, he's kind of forgot about them because. Now he's famous and he's it hit the the headlines. All of his new fans and all the packing out stadiums. Those few people that turned up at his West End club pub gigs, the ones that really supported him, mean nothing to him anymore. So I think sometimes in life with music, no matter how big the artist gets or no matter how low the artist gets, you've you've still got to support them through the thick and thin. I think. I think that's a really, really good point, yeah. Um, And I appreciate what you're saying there. It's an interesting relationship, that, isn't it, between artists and their fans? Because it it kind of moves in both ways. Like, an artist obviously needs their fans in order to be an artist, right? Everybody needs to buy food and pay their mortgage. You you can't do art and nothing else for free, unfortunately. Um, But at the same time... um, yeah, I guess the artist, like you were saying, does have somewhat of a responsibility to making sure they don't forget those people that helped them out in the earlier days uh, and were fans from kind of day one. But then, like, we we come back to the Arctic Monkeys example. You know, I also think that an artist can't be an artist if they're kind of just doing what their fans want them to do. I think art, again, is is got to be... A, an expression of an individual. It's got to be some way by which somebody takes something they think or feel and kind of channels it and and pushes it out into the world in whatever form it takes. And I think if you're just recording the sorts of music that you think your fans will like, for me, that isn't art anymore. That's almost advertising. Um, I think an artist has got to stay true to themselves. They've got to make music that they believe in they've got to do what they feel and that's why even though i'm not a huge arctic monkeys guy and i agree with you i much preferred the earlier stuff to the newer stuff i do kind of admire the way that alex turner has just been like well this is the direction i want to go in you know this is the music yeah. that is, is <clears throat> true to me now this is what i'm going to do if you don't like it then you know that's 
that's not my problem. This is you can only write the song that comes out of you, I suppose. I mean, I mean, being a new fan of yours, um, and we were talking a couple of nights ago about Jules Holland. I mean, I'm a quite a big my, my my family don't really like him, but I, me personally, I'm a massive fan of Jules Holland. I think he's done very well in his career, but not only that. He does very well the debut to putting people on his show that, okay, they're not on a big label, but he puts them on their show, gets them out there, and then a label sees them and they sign them, or people that have only just been signed. And he, and he seems to put really interesting artists that you, you probably never even heard of before, but they come on his show and... It's absolutely incredible. I watched an artist the other night. I think I sent you the link to her called Debbie, uh, R&B singer. And I watched him. I watched her on his show. And I didn't. I've never even heard of her before because I thought Debbie. That's a weird name. And then I looked at it, and it was like a proper full R&B proper band. I was like, wow, this is. And then I listened to her, and I thought, wow, she's like really incredible. Yeah. So I think you know if if like an artist like you. Or um, or Nick or any of the other artists that I follow came to me and said, "So if I asked you what you'd like me to do next, what would you like me to do next?" Probably something along the lines of Jules Holland is what I would probably ask them to go ahead and try and do, or write a song and send it to Jules Holland and see what he thought. And then if he said, "Yeah, I like this. Do you want to come on my show?" Then go and perform it on his show. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I have a lot of time for Jules Holland. I think he is a champion of new music. And there aren't many shows like his left, you know, where it's it's proper budget, it's credible, um, but it isn't top of the pops, right? It isn't just taking whatever's streaming the most at the moment. He actually curates it himself or he has a decent team that do it. Um, and he puts interesting stuff on. Interestingly enough, um, uh, I was in the studio earlier this week recording the second EP, and one of the tunes has got a bit of a string section on it. So we've had this guy in recording the violin parts and the cello parts and the viola parts. And he was on Jules Holland last weekend um, with a band that he plays bass in. And he said the experience was great as well. And the other thing he said, which I thought was interesting, was um, the sound engineers on there do a fantastic job of taking the live sound of the bands that go on and mixing it in such a way that will be perfectly adapted to television set speakers so that when you're watching it in your living room, it's been deliberately mixed to work well coming out your TV. And um, so I think that's another good example of how they actually care about the quality of music that they're, they're broadcasting to their audience. Is there an artist that you have, uh, um, I mean, we have to think in the terms of reality Okay, an artist that you know you, if the chance came, you'd take it and be able to play with them. But we have to live in reality of the artist that you'd probably be able to play with. But is there a particular artist signed or not signed that's quite big that you would like to play with other than Bob Dylan? Is there anybody <laughs> else? Oh man, what a great question. Um, I don't know, you know, mate. My initial reaction to that is I'm not sure. I. I'm not too bothered about um, collaboration at this point in my career. I'd really just like to get to the point where some people like the music I play. You know what I mean? Um, I know collaboration can be a way of kind of exposing your music to a new a new audience ship at the moment. And, you know, crossing over with a different artist can, can have benefits in that way. 
Uh, but nothing leaps out. You know what? I, I love fantastic piano players. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a guy called Jacob Collier. He's quite big on YouTube. Um, he plays a mean piano. So maybe just having him jump on um, and, and do a solo or something would be fun. Or a really top-class guitar player like, um, well, the obvious is John Mayer. I don't know if you're into him. But, yeah, maybe a blues number with John Mayer, something old and cool. I can sing it, play a bit of harmonica. He could take the lead guitar part. That could be fun. Yeah. All right. There you go. My answer is John Mayer. But yeah. as you say, I mean, well, I think that John guy Mayer is global would. at the moment. So no, I think John Mayer would. I think if if the the uh, another thing, I watched a documentary. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you like music documentaries, but oh, I'm yeah. obsessed with watching music doc. And I watched one on. I don't even remember the name of the artist now. He's well known, but I can't remember the. And it was. It was amazing to see all of the what goes into the life of a mu a magician like a musician. Mm. Like I couldn't believe all the it was a blues bloke. That's why I can't remember his name because obviously blues isn't normally my my genre that I listen to. I, I listen to a, a various of different music. I like classic. See at night time because of the way I am, I have to have chilled out music. So normally it's really old footy duddy stuff at night like smooth fm or classical fm yeah i absolutely love classical music to go sleep to like uh on a saturday afternoon i'll listen to uh andrew collins he's on um and he does a lot of classical movie tracks you know like from all the movies that have been you know the they'll always have a soundtrack won't they like gone with the wind had a soundtrack Oh yeah, and, he'll, and, he'll, and on a Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, he'll do that, and he'll play all the, the all the film movie tracks and stuff. And I love to listen to that. But I mean, if you got some of the youngins today and sat them in a room and stuck that on, they'd be like, "I'm bored now. Can I leave?" I think you're they, they, right. They wouldn't sit there, would they, and listen to it? Probably not. Although you know, I don't know. When I was a teacher, um. And we used to do kind of, you know, when it was getting close to the kids' exams, like their GCSEs or A-levels, and lessons kind of turned into sort of revision time, I would often just stick a bit of classical music on in the background while they studied, because you don't want to be studying to something with words in it, you see. It's very difficult to read when you've got somebody speaking language um, in your vicinity, because your brain starts listening to what you can hear rather than processing what you're reading so i always used to stick a bit of classical music on for them and the number of kids that would go ah oh, you know what sir this isn't too bad actually uh, it was really surprising so i think you're right i think they wouldn't want to give it a chance in the first place but i think if they did just sit down and listen to it for a while i think they'd, they'd be all right there's some wonderful music in the classical world that you know people don't listen to enough of these days i don't think vaughan williams is one of my favorites um Chopin I love um loads of stuff yeah and you're right some of those film composers are unbelievable you know your Hans Zimmers and your, your John Martins and things crazy is there anything you miss about your teacher or oh, I didn't even get into talking about your teacher because we're talking obviously about your music what you do now but is there anything you miss about your teaching yeah you know I, teaching is, is a fun job and kids are great they're always funny every day is kind of different even though some of them are different <laughs> in not great ways. Like, it's, it can be a stressful job too. Don't get me wrong. Um, 
and I think good teachers are absolutely incredible. You know, I've worked with some teachers who really, really lived and breathed it and they would go the extra mile for the kids they taught every single day. Um, and that could sometimes mean being cruel, to be kind, doing the things that people don't want to do. Sometimes it can mean being almost like a like a like a second parent to them. Therefore, I'd had breakfast and things like that because I, I used to work in a in a couple of um, fairly rough schools in a, in and around Manchester. Um, so I really, really admire good teachers. I think they're incredible people, and I think there aren't enough of them. And I think more should be done to get talented committed people like that into teaching in the first place um i think for me i didn't leave teaching because i didn't like teaching um i just left teaching because i had this this burning desire to to do something um musically and to try and release a bit of myself into the world and i just know that if i'd stuck with teaching and don't get me wrong you know i had a good job i was climbing the ladder i was um regularly promoted um, I'm sure that wouldn't have stopped happening had I stayed. Um, but I just knew that I try and do this thing where I, I picture myself at the end of my own life. You know, like you imagine you're having a conversation with yourself on your deathbed at 80 and you say to your future self, you know, what would you have regretted not doing? Or what would the mistakes have been that would really have kept you awake at night? And for me, you know, whenever I do that little mental exercise, I always know that if I didn't try and do something creative and something something musical and, and didn't give it a proper, I'd, that would be the thing that I'd always regret. So I just had to do it, man. Just yeah. had to do it. Is there, is there um, any other hobbies you've got other than like your music and teaching and other, and other stuff? If, I always ask people on my podcast, no matter how famous or well-known they are, uh, one of my big questions is, do you have any other hobbies? Because obviously, um, no matter what the famous or well-known person has done, that people always have that thing you don't... That what I enjoy about my po- doing my podcast is the stories that I can tell about people that people don't know. It's not so much the fame for me just to be to get fame. I, that's not the reason I've done it. But it's nice to get people's stories out there. So is there any like particular hobby that you you know you've done that like people don't know about you that wouldn't want necessarily know? Have you got a hobby that you like other than your your music and stuff? <laughs> I'm not sure how surprising or interesting they'd be to be honest with you, man. <laughs> um I'm a reader. I love reading. Um but you'd probably expect that from a former English teacher. I play a bit of chess. I got quite good at that over lockdown when I had loads of time on my hands and it's fallen off again recently. I play the occasional game of five-a-side football with some old school friends on a Thursday. But to be honest, at this point, I'm so unfit and out of practice that I think they prefer it when I don't turn up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so apart from that, man, the music takes up a oh, lot of my time. Dear God. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, um, so... The, obviously, the big question I always ask people on my podcast is, what do you see for the next few years? That's the biggest question I always ask. Like, you know, with um, obviously with the band, with your solo and the band, and um, where you see your music going. Do you plan on making a few more albums, doing a, a, a UK mini tour? Do you, do you see yourself 
um, obviously, once you've got to a big a big place in your music, do you see yourself going and getting a, a like you said, like that pianist we were on about the piano guy on some of your tracks, or do you see yourself writing a book about your your music and your teaching, or uh, what do you see for the next few years? That's a great question to finish on, mate. Great question. I think um, I would be delighted if in the next three years I could have my next EP released. I could have an album released. It's always been a, a real ambition of mine to write write a great album. So I would love if within the next three years there was an album available for the world to listen to. Um, I would love if I had gotten my music to the point where I could maybe um, go on a bit of a mini tour of the UK um, and play some smaller independent venues and have people come and buy tickets. That would mean the world. Um, maybe a bit of radio play would be great by that point. And, and, you know, being one of those guys that you occasionally hear on the likes of XFM or Six Music or wherever the ulti people go to listen to tunes these days. So, look, my expectations for the next three years, they're not stratospheric. You know, I, I'm not under any ambition. I know that this music thing is a long, a long and winding road and you just got to take it one step at a time. But I'm really into that and I'm really enjoying the process and I'm looking forward to continuing just taking those small steps and kind of learning as I go and hopefully turning this into a career that's going to last me for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, I, I want to say to you, thanks for coming on, Rob, because I know how, um, like I've said many times to people on my podcast, I always appreciate each and every one that comes on my podcast because I know how busy people's lives are and how much like people have got kids and wives and they've got their day-to-day -day stuff. It's not just their music or their careers they've got. They have other things they have to do. So I know how how hard it's been for you to come on tonight because you do have other things to do. So um, I've really appreciated you coming on, Rob. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I've loved chatting to you um, and it's been a pleasure. So thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, and I'm going to continue to follow your podcast. I'm going to continue to tune in um, and, and keep it up because it's, it's a great show you've got. So thank you very yeah. much. I've got one more thing to tell you. You know, I, I was talking to you the other night about Matt Piper, and I've told you today about the Leicester City legend, Matt Piper. Yeah, I, In COVID-19, I talked to him, obviously, and I got his book. And ever since then, because I, obviously I'm a Leicester City fan, I go to all the games. Ever since then, I've been trying to have a face-to-face -face interview with him. Now, COVID's obviously disappeared, thank God. Mm. Um, and I haven't been able to get in contact with him. I'd lost touch. And I finally got back in contact with him. So on the... 30th, I think it's the 30th of November, I think. I can't be sure. I'm going to have a, an interview with him face-to-face. -face. Oh, congratulations, so, man. Well, I'll certainly look forward to watching that. Sounds great. That one will be interesting for you to listen to. Yeah, can't wait. But any, anyway, thank you for coming on, Rob, and take care, buddy. Nice one, man. Lovely to chat to you. Yes. See you later. Cheers, bye.